You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey, friend, it is Angie Austin with The Good News. Several good news gals here with me today. One of my favorite good news gals joining us on the phone, Carrie Conley. I'll explain why in just a moment. Uh, We've got Rebecca Barth here. She has a ministry called She Shares Ministry. Ministries where she encourages and uplifts women. Robbie, you've got a big writing event coming up where you said everybody's got a book in, in them and you're helping them with that? Yes. 2019 is going to be your year to finish that book. It's our year. And I will help you. Yes, it's our year. It 2019. is. And when's your event? Thursday night, January 17th, Rio Grande Restaurant Lone Tree, 6 to 8. Okay. And how do they find you? Um, you can get tickets on Eventbrite. Look at look for an author, uh, an evening with authors that inspire bravery, or you can get tickets at the door. Uh, online, they're 35. At the door, they're 50. And these authors, by the way, that Robbie has surrounded herself with for this, they've written numerous books. Yo, yes. And, uh, one some. of your friends, Michelle, Michelle she, um, she was the like uh, MC for like the Women of Faith yeah. conference and has written a lot of books. And all of you have been in like Chicken Soup for the Soul and you have your own books. So uh, a lot of authors will be there helping you find that book within yourself. And the really good part, well, all of it's good, but um, Michelle is a nonfiction and then we have a fiction author who has written like 17 romance books. And then we have a, a person who does magazine articles, and she's done some, a lot of high-end. And then we have a girl in self-publishing. Wow. So we've got kind of everything there. Damn it. Yeah. Jennifer Bishop is here. Jennifer is uh, in health and wellness, and she's got a book in her. And Michelle Betts, real estate, joining us. And it's like we each have, we're all businesswomen, but we're really friends that I bring together who are Christians, and we're trying to navigate the world. So Carrie Conley's my friend, and I think a few of you know her as well. She's been on the show numerous times. Um, I took part in a lot of her Vision is Victory events, and... Uh, she was sitting right across from me, in fact, when she got the phone call that I'm going to talk about here. And Carrie, I'm going to read your, the top of your email, and then I'm going to let you discuss the 10 things you're doing, because I think it's a little difficult for Carrie to talk about uh, the beginning of this email that she sent out to all of her clients. And it says, um, Happy New Year, friends. I'm going to be totally honest. 2018 has been full of great things, but it has been emotionally challenging. The weight of our family loss, I've lost both my husband and my son to suicide over the past four and a half years, and she was sitting in front of me when she got the call about her husband. And that's when I met her son, Cole, that day, because Carrie and I left the studio to go to her house. And that's when I met Cole. And I'll just never forget how much he loved his mom and held her and, you know, because that's when she got the news about her husband. So when I found about, out about Cole, I was just like, how does, how do you do it? So, but by the way, her daughter just got married and boy, the pictures are amazing. I mean, talk about finding joy in the ashes, you know. I mean, this amazing daughter and the beautiful wedding they had. Mm. Just so beautiful. So this, uh, you know, with the holidays and all, how does Carrie stay going? How does she keep moving? How does her daughter's life turn out so well? Her daughter's so much like Carrie, so positive, but they just had to deal with the holidays. And so when I got Carrie's email and started reading it, all my friends send me a ton of emails and I glance at them as best I can because I get so many with my radio show and all the pitches, but I really started reading hers in depth because I wanted to know how Carrie did it. I wanted to know her 
her secret because Jen, you have to, you and Carrie are very similar. You're very um, encouraging and positive, even in the face of, now Carrie, Jen just um, got a divorce after almost 30 years of being with her husband. And so she also is somebody that I aspire to be like, much like you. And so when Carrie's um, email said, you know, over the past four and a half years losing, her son wasn't that long ago, by the way, losing her son and her husband. How does she do it, you know, through the holidays? And she says she has 10 things that she does in order to cope, to get through life, to make her life better as a Christian, as a mom, you know, still supporting her daughter. So uh, Carrie Conley, uh, my friend who I is a mentor to me and I admire so much, uh, welcome uh, to the show, Carrie. <laughs> Andy. I should have warned you ahead of time. There's going to be no crying here today. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie, you should have told me. Why didn't you tell me? You should have told me that, Carrie, you stinker. (laughs) I'm over here sobbing already. I'm like, don't don't do that. (laughs) We got to stay on an upbeat. Uh, You know what, Andy? I am. When I got your email asking me to come on air, because I don't think I've been on with you since that day. I don't think you have either. Yeah, truly, truly special to be back on. And um, I'm honored that that email, um, and I also posted it, I think, on Facebook, is uh, I've gotten such a response from that. And it just it just tells me that I'm on the right path, that God still has a purpose and there is a plan in all of this um, that we are to use for good. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, you really have a choice every day. You either let this stuff take you down or you use it. Yeah, you let it take you down or you use it. And, you know, the mom that you are, the dedicated mom you are, I knew you wouldn't let you take it down because of your daughter. Yeah, well, there's that. You know, we all have people that are still counting on us every day. And my daughter deserves for me to be as whole as possible. Um, we actually, uh, she and I have become quite a team I know. through all of this. Uh, we were close before, but now we are um, really unbelievably close and best friends and work a lot together. And, you know, she, you said that she's a lot like me, Angie, but really she and I are kind of yin and yang. We really complement each other really well, and we've given each other a lot of strength. That's and, wonderful. you know, that's what we have to do. You know, she was... Um, planning uh, the engagement was planned before uh cole died so i knew that was coming um and he actually proposed to her the month after cole's death so you know at that moment you have a choice right it's either you keep looking at all the holes in your life of what's missing and what you've been through and what's awful or i had a choice to look at this as okay i need to get whole and i need to be healed and i need to be able to do that for her and for him so when I read, when I was going through your email about, you know, what you're doing uh, to, you know, cope and to mm-hmm. to choose joy and to thrive in the midst of, you know, losing half your family, um, you'd sh- you're sharing 10 things that you've done that have kept you going through the worst adverse- adversity in hopes that it'll help us. Now, the one mm-hmm. thing that I remember you wrote about just recently and then I took to heart was your quiet time. And you talk mm-hmm. very... Um, specifically about waking up even in the saddest, most defeated state of mind and having your, you open the, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started developing this quiet time habit 10 years ago. <laughs> God is so amazing. He knows what's coming. 
and I joined a Bible study uh, then that required that you did daily homework and devotion, and so I got in the habit. And it has served me well because it is literally my lifeline right now. And you use um, Jesus. And you use Jesus calling as well, right? Which is a pretty popular. Jen, Jen, didn't you, <laughs> yeah. well, you? Jen and I were at a women's conference when one of us got that book. I remember. Yes. Yeah, we, we like had won it, and I'm like, oh, this is the best book. Oh, I love and it. That that in conjunction with the Bibles is wonderful. I think mm. it is. It's life changing. I also now um, integrated her other book, uh, Jesus Always. I started that one this year because I've done. Jesus Calling now every single year for at least eight to ten years. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's that thing, that, and it's all throughout the Bible where God says, you have got to give me your time. Yeah. If you give me your time and you sit with me in silence, I will fill you with everything you need. I will give you the peace. I will give you the strength. I will give you everything beyond your own understanding to get through everything, not just getting through it and surviving, but having joy in the midst of it. Yep. And that is the truth. <laughs> so it's kind of like I'm putting, I'm suiting up for the day. And yep. if I don't have that first thing, I can get so distracted like we all do with the daily yes. perspective mm-hmm. of stuff. Yes, yes. Right? So the quiet time helps you avoid the distraction. If you're just joining us, Carrie Conley is uh, talking to us about the 10 things that uh, she is sharing with us that helped her get through some of the darkest times, losing her husband and her son to suicide in the last several years. So the quiet time, what else, Carrie? Um, You know, I have really changed my uh, perspective, and um, I went to work on embracing and learning everything I can about heaven. And uh, there's so many great books out there on it and so many devotionals on it. Um, one of the other books that uh, has really helped me a lot is a book that I, it's a daily devotional as well, and it's written by a woman who lost her husband um, several years ago, and it's titled For Those of Us Waiting on That Day. Uh, the author is Ann Dillon, and um, every single devotional is getting us to shift our perspective from this world into the heavenly realm, because this time here is a blip on the radar screen and unfortunately we as humans keep our focus on the daily earthly realm and really what we're called to do is to keep looking up you know that's one of my new mottos Angie right um is to I want to keep pointing people heavenly upward because this is not where this is not our home. This is not where our heart is. This is not where we're going to be. I mean, everything in my life right now is all about that eternity with my loved ones, with Jesus, um, and that everything I deal with here every single day is just a momentary thing, right? Hey, Carrie, this is Jennifer. I have a question for you. Um, I have a yeah. a dear friend from high school whose husband um, passed away from ALS and. You know, she's, it's been two years and um, my heart just breaks for her. Like she's ready to go to heaven now. She's done. Mm -hmm. She's like, uh, you know, and I love and respect her and, you know, it's everybody's own walk. Um, Like what keeps you grounded here though? I mean, I know you're saying about heaven and heaven and heaven, but 
you know, at what, what are you doing to stay here though? Like what does God have you planned your plans for here Mm -hmm. now? Does that make sense? That question? Yes, it is. And it's a precarious place to be. And I've been reading a lot about that where you have one foot here and one foot in heaven. It's a very different place and most people aren't there. So it's hard to operate in this world when your heart, um, and your perspective is on understanding how close heaven is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically three things that keep me going. Number one, of course, is my daughter right. <laughs> and her life and, you know, the grandbabies that she's going to give me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, so it's all about that. Two is that I know that I have a very big purpose still left here. I've known that even before all of this happened. Um, I'm known as a vision expert, and for many, many years, I've been teaching people how to get a very written, clear vision for their life on paper, because I believe when I help people do that, I am helping them to connect to God and His purpose that He sent here for them to do. Um, It's just interesting how God gave me that vision of what that my purpose was in the late 80s, again, knowing what was coming. Yeah. And now that I have been through this, that mission has become like a hundredfold. Um, we need to be helping people w- create a vision and a hope for their life so badly now, now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I believe that I am just one of those people that's called to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more I start sharing my story... Um, which I have not done. I'm, I'm trickling it out little I, by little. I, I know that. That's why I was a little bit shocked by the email. Yeah. Well, because you, you you did share your... Me trickling, Auntie. <laughs> yeah, that's you trickling. Yes, you're trickling. Yeah. I, I, I you understand that. And Carrie, you and I have talked about it because, you know, we've spoken together. And when Cole was still alive after your husband took his life, you and I d- discussed how many people you could help by sharing your story because I was always astounded at the hope and joy and love that you were able to give out to people even in the midst of your uh, pain. And, um, you know, it, it's just it's something that, boy, you've got to be ready to trickle it out, as you put it, because even though you know you can help a lot of people, <clears throat> how much can you, when are you ready to handle talking about it? Right. And you can't do that if you're still... Um, you know, in the midst of the healing and well, you've seen me on stage and you try and attempt this too soon. It's not good. <laughs> well, cause I know you don't uh, like to cry and how can you not, yeah, you know, and, and that's something yeah. that you almost have to accept. Like the tears are going to come. I know same thing with me when I speak about my past, you, you don't, it just, you just have to go, God, you know what? It's in your hands. And I, I'd like to control my emotions up here, but sometimes, you know, he's the, well, he is in the driver's seat, you know? <laughs> well, well I, but remember, I've said to you that there are people who can cry, you know, talk through the tears and still get through it. And then there are people who turn into a blubbering mess, which is me. So I don't I'm know, with Carrie. I'm with you. I'm one of those. I, Carrie, <laughs> I saw you speak after your husband um, with Angie. I was at um, the women's conference. Women's conference. Yes, yeah. and you were amazing. And I, I don't know. I respectfully disagree with you. I think um, you did a fabulous <laughs> well, job. Thank you. But I walked off that stage going, oh, 
not again. I am not doing that again. You know, I, <laughs> Carrie, I think that my and my story is way different than yours. My pain's way in my rearview mirror, you know. And I think the same mm-hmm. thing every time I leave the stage too. I'm not doing that again. Yeah, well, and I think I said that to you, right? I'm not doing that again. Don't ask me. I I, I point like said you do not ask me to come back here next year. You did. You did. All right, so let's go back, Carrie Conley. Um, I want to get through some more of these. We talked about the 10 things that you do when you're sharing with us. Uh, to help us get through the difficult times after the loss of your husband and your son to suicide, which leads to all kinds of what ifs. Why didn't I ask him this? Or why did you know, it's just, I, 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 I remember sitting in the kitchen with you and you, the, the very day we found out about your hubby and Cole was there. And I remember saying to you, one thing you cannot do is get into the blame game, the what ifs and that, that mm-hmm. rabbit hole of woulda, shoulda, coulda, because you know, after my brother was murdered, he'd called me that night and I went into that hole. I didn't take his call and what if I would have and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the yeah. problems that he had with mental illness and why it made it so difficult for me to talk to him. And you can't go down that rabbit hole of woulda, shoulda, coulda, because as you know, then so much of your life and your energy and your joy goes into what ifs rather than moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Satan talking to you if you're listening to that voice and you have to again this is why i have to suit up every morning because it is would be so easy to um do that especially and i have to say this little side note and i haven't started talking about this yet but i will people who haven't been through stuff like this sometimes like to project a voice as if they know (laughs) what it is Preach it. You know, when we have a suicide, and unfortunately that's been very prevalent um, in Colorado, and it breaks my heart, especially the kids in the high school. Um, every time it happens, Laurel and I just go down. Um, but then, of course, you see everybody making an opinion about that um, on Facebook, and they know nothing about what it really is. And I have to really, really protect my mind then because that's yeah. where you can go down that rabbit hole yes. of, oh, my gosh, I should, have, I should have talked to them more. I should have gotten them counseling sooner. I should have hugged them more. I should, you know, all the stuff they say to do. And that has nothing to do with the real issue around that, that particular problem. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. I appreciate so, you saying amen. that. That yeah. is the truth. Yeah. Thank it, you, Carrie. So in Carrie's, yeah. uh, some of the 10 things, um, unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. We'll have you back, Carrie. Um, she reads, yeah. uh, she has quiet time in the morning. She reads Jesus Calling. She reads in, uh, the Bible. Uh, she also has a book of her choosing to help her grow professionally and personally. She's taken a lot of things off of her plate in this time of grief mm-hmm. after losing her, uh, Cole and her husband. Uh, she has... Uh, she also says that she has to give the best of her to the family she still has and the grandkids she will eventually have. She's learned to give people a lot of grace and mercy, um, as people mm-hmm. have done for her. She talked about her gut instincts in the article. She simplified her life. And she said um, that she, you know, this purpose and vision for her life that, she, that God breathed into her, she still has to pursue that and to choose joy. And so she wrote this beautiful article for us. And Carrie, can you give everyone your website if they want to, you know, get in touch with you or get on the email list or mm-hmm. they'd like to get these 10 things? Yeah, my website is just my name. Angie is Carrie Conley, C-A-R-E-Y-C-O-N-L-E-Y.com. Um, my website has, you know, I kind of went underground uh, for about a year after Cole died. 
and we're just within the past six months coming back up for air and have a new marketing team. So the website has a whole new look, and it's just my name simply now. Well, I love you, friend, and I admire you so much, and I think about you frequently and follow you and see what you're up to. I know we don't live as close as we used to live to each other, but I love you and so admire what you're doing, and uh, you're just making Cole so proud. Love you. We'll be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Rejuvenation on the Rocks is a cutting-edge medical facility in Greenwood Village that will have you looking and feeling your best. Roxy O'Brien transforms lives using a non-surgical revolutionary treatment called Cool Sculpting that targets, freezes, and eliminates fat cells in the areas of your body that are resistant to diet and exercise. With this non-invasive and effective procedure, you will start to see a difference fast. And the best part is that as a Good News listener, you will receive a buy three, get one free special on your Cool Sculpting package. Call Roxy at Rejuvenation on the Rocks at 720-328-9094 or go to Rejuvenation on the Rocks that's Rejuvenation on the ROX.com to start your cool sculpting package and be sure to tell Roxy that you are a good news listener to receive your special pricing deal. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com, AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I will would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie and Mike here, along with Dr. Cheryl Lentz, the academic entrepreneur, author, speaker, professor, and we're going to talk about one of her blogs that will help us uh, tackle some life issues, I'm sure, as well. And you write these blogs, why again, Cheryl? I have a lot of things that, uh, with many of my students that come up, and I call it something that's in the air this week. And if I hear something more than three times, I know it's on the minds of many of my students. So I will use this blog as a teaching opportunity that I can automate some of the things that I say and get excited about it as opposed to saying the same thing over and over and over. And so I just put it on a blog, and now I have a working library for students to go back and have these epiphanies now and in all my future classes. So it's pretty cool. That is hilarious. What point? Clarifying, hearing it more than three times from three different people, because I tend to irritatingly repeat my demands until they become reality. (laughs) Well, I just, I noticed that back in 2011, this is when I actually started my blog, is I made the comment to one of my uh, one of my colleagues that I was getting really tired of not being able to get excited about insert academic term here, because now I'm a college prof almost 20 years. And so we started talking about 
the idea of experience and the experience that student, it was the first time they've heard it. So Doxy really has to still maintain that level of excitement. And so by putting this library together where I can capture it, because I also have a YouTube channel, same thing, although my videos are about one to four, meaning one blog for every or one video for every four blogs I do. I'm just not as timely as I need to be. But it's a how do I still keep that and capture it and keep it as a learning tool so, you know, old Doxy doesn't forget it. I think it's a wonderful way to have digital technology and what I call it, it's technology that tutors. I can scale my time, particularly for students around the globe, that I don't have to be up at three in the morning if they want a little dose of Doxy, you know? Love this idea. Everyone can get a dose of Doxy 24 hey, hours a day. Angie, do you want to tell her or should I? What? Talking, you tell her. Yes, you tell her. Talking about herself in third person thing. Oh. <laughs> Mike doesn't know how he feels about that. Angie doesn't it. know either. Angie will check back and like and report back to you. We'll get back. All right, let's get back to your blog, Doc. I love. I'm I'm in a Seinfeld uh, a series uh, marathon, so I just saw the. Ah, I love it. The series about talking about nothing. I love it. You know. <laughs> yeah, but so let's get back to this. So you you heard something from more than three people, and then it becomes uh, a perceived trend. And you're probably more often right than not, correct? Usually, because it's something that when I hear about it and I start picking up on it, then I hear it everywhere. It's kind of like you buy a car and suddenly that's the only car on the road you see. So it is a perceptual thing. But this is something that's a, a hot button of mine, which is why I really centered into it. Many students complain about things, but don't realize that these things are their own making. And so this idea is when we say something, for example, the idea of think of the conversation when somebody comes to you and say, I'll take care of it. What is that statement doing? That statement is creating a self-created expectation of the person who is listening to you, your audience, is going to expect, well, if they said it, they'll do it, right? And the answer is nope. Uh, this is the biggest, in my opinion, pet peeve of miscommunication that's out there. Because if you don't say it, people won't expect it. But when you say it and you don't do it, now you've created an expectation and you've annoyed them. You irritated them. You have really put up an idea of failure and you did it by your own hand. So if you're not going to do it, one of the infamous dating things, right? You know, well, I'll call you. No, they have no intention of calling. It's a nice euphemism that's supposed to be, I don't like conflict. I don't want to have to tell you I'm not going to call you because it makes you uncomfortable. So I'm going to make you sit by the phone for three or four days and the phone never calls. Why can't we be integrally honest and simply not create what we don't intend to do? I'm just impressed you said integrally. Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> but here's something that I found interesting when I was in Japan. I lived in Japan for about 16 months. And you know the infamous, hi, how are you? And we use that almost like nothing in the United States. I had to retrain myself when I lived in Japan because somebody would ask me that and they really wanted to know. And the first couple of times I was really rude because I did the, you know, you're I'm fine as you're walking down the hall and your words are trailing and nobody cares what you're saying. They don't do that in Japan. If you say, hi, how are you? They're going to say, hi, how are you? And they look you right in the eye and they engage you and you're looking and they really care and they really want to know. And they're going to stick around long enough to hear the answer to the question, which we don't do in the United States. And wow. so it took me a long time to retrain myself. So I wasn't being rude and I didn't mean to be. I was just cult culturally trained in the United States. So when somebody answers that question, they really 
really don't care. They don't want to hear the answer. They're just being culturally nice, a euphemism, get out of my face, the conversation's over, move along. Nothing to see here. Now I had to come back to the United States and I would actually stand in front of somebody and say, well, how are you? I'm like, well, I'm great. How are you? And as they were trailing down the hall and I'm still standing there going, oh my God, you're not in Japan anymore. You know, it was really weird. So it's the same type of thing we're talking about here is that self-created expectation. If you ask a question, oh, I don't know. Your audience might just expect an answer from you. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, oh, I don't know. Call me crazy. I might just expect you to do it. And this is where a lot of people get really upset because they're very disappointed by expectations that are made by others. And my students often have that. I'm like, well, then tell them not to tell you. If you don't mean it and you're not going to do it, don't say it. Seems pretty simple to me. Two things. I believe I know where all of this started. But before that, um, and when you say you hand it off to somebody, I I do the same thing. But I have only recently said, tell me when it's fixed or tell me when it's done mm-hmm. or text me. And now that sets an expectation in their heads mm-hmm. that they have to put a timeline on and respond. And that started to work out. It's with a, a volunteer who helps us at the theater, but, you know, was always a mouthful of much obliged, but a handful of gimme. And <laughs> it, it, it really that. was it was very different now. Now we're starting to see this. But here's where I think it all started. Politicians. Because oh, we yeah. let politicians get away with campaign promises they never have to live up to. And uh, the, one of the first ones who, who got burned by it was George H.W. Bush, the guy we just buried, the late president, whose uh, statement of read my lips, no, no taxes, came back to bite him on the behind. Mm-hmm. And, But we so often let all politicians get away with campaign promises that they never fulfill. And we stopped. uh, In my case, we stopped saying, yeah, we expect you to do that. Now we just accept it. Wait, are you talking about if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you could keep your plan. Yeah, some of that stuff. Well, see, uh, if we start putting consequences on the uh, letdown of those expectations, I think then we can start reversing the trend. Well, I think you're going to start seeing this, Mike, because of digital technology. Anytime anything bad happens, anytime any politician says something, I don't care if it's on Twitter or Facebook, there is a record of it now in which we only had hearsay or something you heard on the news. Now there's written verification, there's video verification, and people are starting to say, hey, remember when you said this? Here's the video. Remember when you tweeted this? Here's the tweet. And now you're showing some people and it's coming back to bite them. I don't see yet a huge shift, but I sure would like to hope it would hold people accountable. If you're not going to do it, don't say it. It's that simple. Angie and Mike here getting your year started off right with Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Any uh, New Year's resolutions for you, Dr. Cheryl Lentz? <laughs> well, there are a few that I actually intend to keep. I have a list that I did the end of the year and I made all my smart goals and I have a plan to achieve them. So it's more than just a magic list. Oh, well, look at you. Angie. I just, I, I this whole i am anti-resolution unless it's to play more golf well there you go but the idea is even when you say to play more golf what does that look like does that mean one more a week one more a month one more than just this year when we get specific and that's my whole point is we can get an an 
action plan that says how we know if we've met what we said we're going to do. So first we plan our work, then we work our plan. So if you want more golf, be specific. I want to play one more golf game a month. So now you know you have 12 things you need to do is 12 more rounds of golf. So by this time next year, you'll know exactly whether you did or you didn't what you said you were going to do. So I actually have to make a plan. I have to put a quantity on it and put a value. So let's say I would like to play 100 rounds of golf in 2019. Okay. Since there are 52 weeks in a year, that means you need two, at least two a week to get close. And in the next few weeks, maybe next 12 weeks are dicey here. So we might not be able to play golf. So I also need to put in there that I need to move. Apparently. Yeah, well, you know, there's something to be said for that is we're sitting here today in Chicago. We're looking at almost 50 degrees, which is unheard of this time of year. But as soon as that snow comes, it's going to put everybody's golf game and everything else um, kind of out the window. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, she's in an area where you can't golf all the time. Uh, interestingly enough, Mike, I mean, I've seen you out there in your bear cap. You make it happen. And, you know, I live across the street from a golf course, and uh, we don't have snow um, in Colorado a lot in the Denver metro area. I mean, it's gone within a day or two. So people do golf here year round as well. Well, and then all it is is plan your work and work your plans. If you say you want 100 more rounds of golf, then you just got to put a plan together. Maybe um, come June, you're going to be playing six games a day in order to make that number for the year. It's not a bad thing, Dr. Lentz. That's not a bad thing at all. So where, where is it? Do you have checks and balances personally and uh, in your students on resolutions and expectations, bringing realism into it? Absolutely. I try to do things to have a system. And that's where I come down with, well, you can't say what you don't expect to do. And most people, it's not that they plan to fail. They just fail the plan. So the idea is at the beginning of every month, I look at where I am. At the end of every quarter, I look at where I am. At the end of every year, I look at where I am. And I was really annoyed the end of last year because I almost met my end of year profit goals. I missed it by $1,500. And let me tell you, the last week I tried to scramble going oh my gosh to get that close I made 99% of my goal and it was just so annoying to get that close and had I been more in tune because of the holidays that I would have known that at the beginning of the month and maybe tried harder to make up that $1,500 but so I ended the year without it and that's the whole point is had I been more on top of things in my systems which I usually am but the holidays kind of got away from me and so I missed it just by the hair of my chinny chin chin well, I um, oftentimes make, and I actually do keep it kind of a, a deal to do, you know, to be healthier um, in, in the new year. And it's something I kind of do anyway, but I kind of uh, keep it real specific. And I'm pretty good about it. You know, like if I need to lose 10 or 15 pounds, I, I can do it. But this year, my uh, add-on to that, Dr. Royzen, one of our favorite guests, uh, told me that weighing every day is the difference in you know keeping your weight at the same weight because i mean i can lose the weight in a heartbeat at just keeping it off and so that's um i I know i can keep the resolution to lose the weight but just now i'm doing it a different way where i'm literally weighing every day because what i find happens mike you'll laugh i could gain 20 pounds and have no clue 
Like I, I you know what I mean? Like I can you just you know, go on a couple of vacations or whatever, not get crazy, not do anything out of hand, not like binge on tons of, you know, snacks or sweets. And I wouldn't even have any idea that I get on the, uh, the, 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 you know, scale and I'm shocked by the numbers. So I think Dr. Roizen's idea would work. Uh, we're oh, absolutely. But no, here's the no. secret. I think you need to make a different resolution with your words. It's not that you want to be healthier. You want to be able to maintain that healthy lifestyle. Notice that just that one tweak of a word so that you can, what gets measured gets done. So if you do it on a regular basis, you'll be more measurable. And that's what I screwed up in December because of the holidays. I didn't measure on that daily basis. And so it got away from me. And then ultimately I didn't make it. So maybe it's the maintaining the lifestyle, not getting the lifestyle. It's easy to get there. It's hard to stay there. Uh Uh, I I like that. What gets measured gets done. But this may shock you. We don't have a scale in the house. And I'm totally against going and being slave to the scale. I I think it's a a dangerous thing that messes with your head. If you really want to try and keep the same weight, you get the best pair of jeans that you have the one you know the one the one that makes your husband go uh and uh well we going out tonight <laughs> and you wear you get that same pair of jeans as many pairs as you can so you can wear them every day the dates that they're a little too tough to get into that's when you know okay i gotta i gotta pick up the exercise or back off the desserts a little bit you don't need a scale You just need a really good pair of jeans. Well, and I think your point to this is a diet doesn't work just because of that four-letter word and the stigma attached to it. A lifestyle change that is long-term because you have a system, and I like your blue jean system, that is good, to be able to give yourself a, how do you check in regularly so you're not a slave to it so that it doesn't become a punishment? It becomes a lifestyle change that becomes a reward. That's the difference. That's how success is measured. Well, I think everybody kind of has their, um, you know, their oh, a plan or whatever there uh, that works for them. And um, I've, I've been able to stay healthy with the majority of my life, never go over a certain weight. But I've noticed that if I don't weigh for a month, um, that that's when, you know, I get into trouble. So I've got to figure out that, you know. So anyway, anyway, my, mine are pretty simple, but I don't understand why so many people fail and fail miserably. Like we go to this gym, we call it the prison gym because it's pretty bad, I'll be honest. But it's like literally you can see it from the house. And so uh, we were just recently in a hotel and my neighbor goes, oh, my gosh, this is so much nicer than the prison gym. I said, yes, it is. But that is you want to get motivated and not do something you don't like. That's why diets don't work. That's why, you know, you do it for a little while, right? And then everything else kind of gets in the way. But when you have a system that's just part of your routine, you know, you run three miles once a week or you do this or you do that. But if it's just part of your routine, you're going to be part of a lifestyle, not a punishment or something that if you stop is going to be problematic. Or if you start again, then it becomes a, oh, my gosh, and everybody starts diet. You'll need all of the ads that you'll see on radio and TV are really diet driven until about March. And then it's going to come down again till about spring break. And then it's going to be about summertime getting that bikini. So there are rhythms. If you do it just as a matter of course, it becomes a lifestyle and a habit, not a, oh, my God, guess what? I want to fit in that bikini. And then it becomes um, intense for that short amount of time. We just want to make it as it ain't no big deal. And it won't be if you take action on a regular basis. Take action. I like that. All right, Cheryl, how do we find you? Your website? DrCherylentz.com. Excellent. All right, we'll be right back. 
All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the ma'am. number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-JANE. ARCthrift.org. Does uh, ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. You are special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love... YMCA of the Rockies is the place to take your family. It's like a destination vacation in your own backyard. This year at SS Park Center, we'll be hosting family snowshoe hikes, backcountry ski meetups, outdoor winter survival trainings, winter ecology hikes, and much more. We'll have guest speakers, excursions for every level of experience, and demos by popular mountaineering equipment brands. Visit ymcarockies.org for more information. That's ymcarockies.org. O-R-G. Hey, it's Angie. Did you know that worldwide, one in every 33 babies is born with a birth defect? I had to read that over again. One in every 33 babies worldwide is born with a birth defect. Now, fetal surgery, as you know, can save and improve the lives of thousands of children. So the baby's not even born yet, and the baby's having surgery. Joining us is Dr. Scott Adzik, the Surgeon-in-Chief at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And I have to admit, Dr. Adzik, when I saw that you were on my interview schedule, I was excited because I think your work is fascinating, but also you've talked about, you know, how it's impacted you as a surgeon to see these kids as adults later throwing the football and at the get-togethers you guys have and how that's had such a profound impact on you as a person as well. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for your warm welcome, Angie. You're welcome. Let's talk about how many uh, babies are born with birth defects. Well, so let's, let's start with the math. So as you mentioned, one in every 33 babies is born with a birth defect. So in the U.S., that translates to about 150,000 babies born each year with a birth defect. And many have conditions that are so rare that uh, most parents and even some clinicians have never heard of them. So too often these families aren't made aware of the treatments available at a place like our Center for Fetal Diagnosis and Treatment. And I think the families are left feeling overwhelmed with few options. So if you do the math, one in 33, so common, uh, birth defects are very costly. Literally billions of dollars are required for medical treatment. Defects are merciless. No parent is immune. They're mysterious. Unfortunately, most causes of the birth defects are unknown. In my view, they're overlooked. Research is underfunded. And birth defects are deadly. They're the leading cause of infant mortality. Now, in terms of the types of conditions that can be helped by having surgery while the baby is in the womb. I want to talk about that. And just the fact that these poor parents don't even know that this is a possibility in many cases is unbelievable to me in this day and age. So what what types of situations can you help? Well, first of all, with regard to diagnosis, I think uh, it's pretty routine nationwide in, in the U.S. for pregnant mothers to have an ultrasound done at 18 to 20 weeks gestation. Mm-hmm. And at that time, most anatomic birth defects can be detected. And if you need more information, then uh, fetal MRI, you can actually do fetal MRI, we developed it here at Joppa 20 years ago, can be done to give additional information. In addition, with regard to diagnosis, you all you, you know about amniocentesis and chorionic villus sampling. But now there's a 90 
non-invasive prenatal testing, NIPT for short, in which literally uh, early in pregnancy, uh, the mother can have a blood sample drawn, fetal cells and fetal DNA leak across the placenta into the maternal bloodstream, meaning fetal DNA and fetal cells can be done now, and one can have genetic testing merely on a mother's blood sample. So that's revolutionary in terms of diagnosis. The things we treat before birth, to put it in perspective, so we've had our center here since 1995, so almost uh, 24 years, and uh, we've had over 23,000 prenatal referrals from all 50 states and from more than our referrals need to have fetal therapy. So that's an important perspective. Many mothers carrying babies with birth defects can actually deliver the baby here at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in our Garbo's Family Special Delivery Unit and be treated after birth. So why would you want to treat a condition before birth? Well, there are certain life-threatening birth defects in which there's progressive damage before birth, such that when the baby is born, we're too late. Lung tumors that are so big, they squish the developing heart and cause heart failure. Tumors that develop off the tailbone with the same effect. Problems like twin-twin transfusion syndrome, where there are identical twins in one uterus, separate amniotic sacs, one shared placenta as opposed to two placentas, one for each baby. And there's abnormal unpaired blood vessels that go from one side of the placenta to the other side, and one baby gets too much blood, develops too much amniotic fluid, and the other baby doesn't get enough blood and goes into kidney failure and doesn't produce amniotic fluid, which is mostly fetal urine, and becomes stuck and wrapped in the membranes, and both twins will go on to die unless one does fetoscopy, like laparoscopy, but with a two millimeter in diameter scope, place that through the mother's abdominal wall, through the uterine wall, look into the uterus, find the abnormal blood vessels in the placenta, and then occlude or photocoagulate them with the laser fibers. So we do that sort of operation two to three times a week, and you can transform a almost uniformly fatal diagnosis into 90% plus of babies. That is fascinating. Unbelievable. It's fascinating to me that things like um, that we hear about people terminating pregnancies for like in some countries like a cleft palate or club foot or these things that aren't even deadly. You're talking about things that would actually kill the baby if you did not fix them in the womb prior to them being born. It's unbelievable. That's uh, correct. So, and as far as spina bifida goes, we do um, treat uh, more severe cases than the one that you described that go higher on the spine. And what occurs with spina bifida is that the, the coverings of the spinal cord are not there. And the larger, longer that spina bifida is, and the higher it goes on the spinal cord, more, more nerves are affected. And they're affected by amniotic fluid, fetal urine, that is very toxic to those nerves, particularly during the third trimester. So that in, in turn led to the rationale of not truly a life or death birth defect, but one that's devastating the higher it is for us to treat that before birth by doing an operation. Unbelievable. Now, you know, I always like to ask you about some of the satisfying results of your work, uh, you know, when you see these kids later. Talk a little bit about that. Well, we have a, a fetal family uh, reunion, we call it, each June, usually the first Sunday in June, in which we invite patients who have been through our program to come back to see us. And last, last year, uh, we had over 2,000 people there. And we also have reunions um, uh, for instance, patients from all around the U.S. We've had them in uh, Clearwater, Florida, in Washington, D.C., at the museum, in Cleveland, uh, at the Cleveland Botanical Garden, at Chicago in the zoo, so on and so forth. And it's just so truly inspiring to see so many children whose babies likely could have died now running around and growing up healthy and strong. I mean, it's the best thing ever. I would agree. I would agree. Thank you so much, Dr. Isaac. How do we um, get more information? Well, your listeners can uh, go to our website uh, and for fetal surgery, it's uh, fetal surgery is one word, fetalsurgery.chop, C-H-O-P dot E-D-U. So fetalsurgery.chop dot E-D-U. Thank you, doctor. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.